Is everybody ready? Today is Tuesday, right? Take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget Taco Tuesdays. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, live at ARUP Blood Services. Come see us, 9786 South, 500 West here in Sandy. Come donate blood, save some lives, and we'll uh, bribe you with a Megaplex gift card, a Subway gift card, <laughs> and some jazz gear as well. So, uh, But saving lives, that's, of course, the most bribe important Bribe is thing. such a strong word, isn't it? It is. But, uh, Encouraging. I mean, it, we, we encourage, incentivize? Yes. How about that? All right. 9786 South, 500 West, right here in Sandy. Also want to remind you, Ute Conference football, their 14U division will allow players the full high school experience, high school rules, unlimited weights, real football. If you're tired of rec league competition, sign up today at UteConferenceFootball.org. Let's compete. Let's play. All right. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, of course, Cougar great quarterback John Beck on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing good. What's going on, guys? John, have you become greater and greater as the years have gone on? I mean, people are definitely kinder to me on the radio as the years have gone on. (laughs) (laughs) You got us there. That's probably true. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, Well, hey, John, tell us, what what are you up to, man? Are you still coaching quarterbacks there in Southern California? Yep, same old, just on the road now with all of our NFL guys uh, getting ready to report to camp. This has been kind of the last final days before everybody reports to their training camps and then things are underway. So after that, we really only have about a week and a half left before most colleges are done reporting, and then that's it. We just Now it's time to see all the work that everybody's put in and let it all play out and just kind of enjoy the work of the offseason. And then we do do things in-season with guys, but it's obviously not as, uh, not as much. So, John, does, do you run the gamut as far as the talent level goes with this uh, from uh, the high school straight up to the NFL? Is that how it works? Well, so here's the thing. Our, our primary focus is with our elite guys, our NFL guys, and then because of a lot of the NFL guys that we have, the collegiate players and the high school kids, they find out about us and what we're doing and who we're working with. And obviously being in Southern California, there's a lot of – a lot of talent and a lot of, uh, you know, young kids and their dads that are really pursuing this thing full force. So we do have a lot of young guys that come to us. But if I had to say what is kind of our main focus, it really truly is the amount of time that we dedicate uh, to our top-tier NFL guys. John, give us your kind of takeaways. What did you see in Zach Wilson last year, and what kind of potential does this guy have there at BYU? I think he's got a ton of potential. I think that's not a secret. You know, anybody that watched what he did last year as a freshman was impressed by it. Um, I think that obviously when they kind of switched things around offensively and did some things that suited his skill set better and I think also used his experience and it wasn't requiring a young kid to play a game that he wasn't used to playing. They were they kind of morphed the offense to say, okay, let's, Let's bring in some things that kind of align with your experience level and what you may have done in high school um, to allow him to just play fast and play free. So I was really impressed with that. I thought it was smart, some of the things they did. And I think that from a skill set, uh, you know, he has 
a talented live arm. He has the ability to make plays on the move, to get out and scramble and pick up first downs with his legs. Um, in my time being around him, his football, you know, light is always on. So it, to, like, to me, that's a guy that's always willing and ready to learn and is always kind of pushing that envelope. And I think it's also a guy that's going to learn a lot from his experiences. You know, he's still going to be a young quarterback. Uh, he still has only probably, I think, what is it, like six or seven games under his belt. So when he steps on the field this year, they're still going to be learning experiences. But in my time playing and also coaching, I've just seen that there are some guys that when they experience those mistakes or failures because of inexperience, they learn quickly from them and they, they don't really repeat them. But then you have other guys where they sometimes make the same mistake. So from my vantage point and my time being around him, Zach comes across as a guy to me that is going to, when mistakes are made, learn from them quickly. And that's exciting. John, maybe you already addressed this with that answer, but if you if you were to identify the the single most important and maybe the most difficult thing for a young quarterback to grasp, what would you say? Oh, that's a good question. That's honestly one that uh, you know probably to be able to pause and think about all the factors because there are so many things and. Here's what my answer is going to be. I'm not going to essentially say it's one thing that is across the board for all quarterbacks, but I'm going to say each quarterback brings an individual art form to the way that they play the game, and then within that, there is something specific to what that guy needs to do to be his best. Because I see this all the time with quarterbacks. Maybe what I, maybe what I recognize in one and I know is the thing that he needs to do to reach that next level may be different from somebody else. I mean, you can make easy statements, right? Like somebody uneducated can get up here and say, well, it's decision-making. Across the board, everybody has to be a good decision-maker. Or I can say, well, they have to be accurate. doesn't matter how well you know the X's and O's of the game. If you can't deliver a football with accuracy, you can't play the quarterback position. So, you know, but all of those, are, I feel like, are the easy answers. Um, I feel like it's really more dependent on the player themselves because I know guys that succeed in the NFL that aren't that accurate of throwers. I know guys that succeed in the NFL that don't know the X's and O's that great or actually aren't all that decisive. But the way that they choose to play the game, they have found a way to be successful. And that's why it's all predicated based off each individual and their strengths and weaknesses. John Beck is with us here on the Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, John, you had so many weapons when you played at BYU. I mean, when I when I think back on your career, I'm picturing, you know, you dropping one in the breadbasket to Todd Watkins for the long ball, right? And you have those great tight ends. How important is it that some weapons really emerge for Zach Wilson at BYU? It's everything. In this game, uh, the quarterback relies so heavily upon the guys around him to – make plays, to get open, to just run the offense. It's, you know, it's not a quarterback dropping back there and the offense is ran for itself. You have to have guys that are out there, and it's a coordinated effort of all the other 10 guys around the quarterback to then give him an opportunity to do his job. You know, I mean, we can even talk about the offensive line as being weapons. If it wasn't for my offensive line my senior year, who knows you know, how some of those games go. I had a solid offensive line, and when you – put a shaky offensive line in front of a quarterback, you know, everybody says it makes his job harder. It makes everybody's job harder because now receivers, the amount of time that they have to try to get open or the run game, it's not setting things up quite like it can. If you can't run the football, most of the time your play-action pass game is hampered and vice versa. So really, it's, it's Zach needs everybody around him. Every quarterback does. Some of the guys, I'll just use an example, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford on the football field is one of the most talented throwers uh, but if Matt Stafford doesn't have arms around, I mean, uh, sorry, 
guys around him, it doesn't matter what type of arm he has. It doesn't matter his abilities because he can't make any play by himself. No quarterback can. You need those guys around you. See, Jake, I hope you're listening to John right now because he's underscoring a point that you and I have been talking about for days now. He is, I know. And he's siding with me. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly how I heard it, but, uh, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I do think John has some more, uh, a lot of credibility on well, the matter. Well, John, excuse me. We were talking about Jordan Love up at Utah State and how important it is for that offensive line of his to come together for him. He's a great talent, but he needs help. It's right on. I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've actually had conversations where people ask me about Jordan or what I think or how do I think Utah State's going to be. And the first thing I say is, well, it just depends on what everybody else around him, like like their level of play. Is he going to be protected? Um, You know, Michael Vick was one of the most elusive quarterbacks I've ever seen with my own eyes. Um, The things that he could do on a football field. But even then, at the NFL level, like Michael Vick couldn't run away from everybody. You can't just pull a rabbit out of a hat on every play. Like it does not matter how talented you are as a quarterback. You have to have guys around you that can make plays and making plays doesn't necessarily mean talent, right? It means the, the ability to have the skill necessary required to make a play that doesn't always equal talent. You can take somebody that has a 40 inch vertical. Okay. And call that talent. But if that guy can't get open in man coverage, and a guy that has a 31-inch vertical can, that's the guy you want on the football field with you, and he may be considered a less talented guy. So it's really about guys that make plays. And, you know, if they don't have an offensive line at Utah State, it's going to be really hard for Jordan to have the same type of year he had last year. What do you think about uh, Jordan as a, a pro prospect? Do you think he's got potential? You know, I have to say I haven't evaluated him as, like, a prospect. I only caught him in the games that I caught a few of their games. Um, outside of the BYU game, I watched the BYU game, um, but I haven't been able to see enough ball of him to give an, an uh, accurate, you know, is he a prospect or not? I mean, from what I'm hearing uh, is that he is, that he is, and that NFL teams are looking at him as a prospect. I don't know if they have him in like you know preseason. They always come out those top five, like Mel Piper, Todd McShay. They always put out their top five, and it's usually you know about three of the five are correct when all of a sudden it comes down to it at the NFL draft time, but. I know that there are people that have talked about what he did last year and the potential that he can have this year. Uh, last year, Jake, who's your lookalike up at Utah State? Yost. Uh, yeah, Coach yeah. Yost. Coach Yost said that Jordan at one point, uh, I think it was against the Cougars, actually, he said that he threw a touchdown pass to uh, a running back, but he said it was his fourth target in his progression and that's when he knew that he was really maturing as a quarterback how important is that is that is that an indication that a quarterback is really grasping what the coaches want him to be yeah i think it's you know it all depends right because sometimes you can get a young quarterback that gets to his fourth progression because he started on the wrong side of the field so (laughs) i think it all depends on did he get through it the right way is what he's seeing what's actually happening out there and is he progressing through it in the timing and a rhythm that shows that he has command of the offense that's that's the big thing i've seen guys just get to get to people because hey they're they're kind of backyarding it out there and they're they're kind of going by feel and they scramble up in the pocket they throw it to somebody and hey yeah that was the fourth time the progression they got to or did they do it because the command of the offense that they have they eliminated one based off of the coverage because of the certain key defender now they get to their they're three and four, and they do it in the right way, seeing everything, just how it played out. And then they can give you an answer as to how they got there. 
That's the big thing, right? Do they have the mental answers? Are their eyes seeing it correctly? That's the command of a guy that really then, then things can, he can become very dangerous is when he's at that point because then not only can he capitalize and run the plays effectively, but then that tells you that he's seeing things a step ahead. And when he's doing that, he can then, if the coach gives him the freedom to do it, he can then start adding things to his plays or he can start eliminating things even sooner and getting the ball to somebody that split second sooner, which is the difference between a guy getting tackled after he catches the ball for a five-yard gain or a 10-yard gain. Because the really good quarterbacks get the balls into guys' hands in more space to allow them to run with more yards after the catch. That is a big, big thing of a quarterback showing where he's at. You know, it'd be a treat, Jake, would be to watch a football game with John. Just have him yeah. in your ear telling you, you what you might, you're looking at? You think you might be able to learn a thing or two? I think you could. Yeah, probably. You know what, though, guys? I don't say a word. When I watch football games, <laughs> I'm the quiet guy. Like, I'm just, like, <laughs> sitting there. I mean, I definitely watch the game completely different. I think, like, uh, I I will only listen to certain people announcing games. Um, like, a lot of the time, I just want to listen to it uh, mute. Um you know, I'm I'm a guy that rewinds a lot of plays, so you're not going to actually. You're probably going to get annoyed because of how many times I rewind something to want to like see it again. Uh, so if you're there to enjoy the game, I'm probably not the one you want to watch it with. But if, if you're okay with me treating it a little bit like game tape, then you can watch a game with me. Well, I will say this, John, because I remember when you were in college, especially in the early years, you relied on a lot of things that other people were saying. I remember you had, you quoted various books and whatnot, but now you're that guy. You're the guy. Well, those days back then, you know, I'll tell you what it was. It was a search for – I had – I yes, I played football, but – not only is it a challenge to leave the game for a few years when you serve a mission, but the game that I was playing when I came back was not the same game that I was playing when I left. What my high school required me to do from an offensive standpoint, the way that I had to manage the game, was completely different when I got to BYU. And then also the atmosphere. The atmosphere that I was around, it just so happened that the Pop Warner team I was on, the high school I was on, there were so many similarities and then all of a sudden I get to college and it was very different. I had never lost back-to-back football games in my life until I got to BYU. The culture was different. The belief system was different. The things I was having to do uh, offensively were things that were very new to me. So I was, I, I was trying to learn a lot really fast. And, you know, BYU was in a little bit of disarray with some of the situations of coaches. You know, I had Bosco my first year and then there wasn't a QB coach my second year because Gary wanted to do all the things. But... Gary wasn't always available in meetings because he had head coach responsibilities or, uh, or some other things. So a lot of the times in meetings, uh, it was just kind of watch the tape on your own. And I learned really quickly, you know, when, when you're trying to learn things on your own, it takes 10 times as long. If you have somebody that can be a mentor to you, that can teach you and show you things, the learning process is sped up so much. That's why I think it's so valuable when these young quarterbacks step into college or the pros and they have somebody ahead of them doing it the right way that they get to watch and learn from, I believe that their learning process is sped up. But when you got to figure it out on your own, you tend to have failures more. You have to learn things the hard way. And, you know, a lot of my experience, I look back and it was a lot of that. It was a lot of trying to do something that I really hadn't done before. Uh, and a lot of my learning experiences came on game day where I would throw a certain ball into a certain look or something. It wouldn't work out, but I'd never seen that look before or I just had never been in that situation. And a lot of that was kind of learning on the fly and 
I tried to do the best that I could to seek answers, to find people that could help me, to reach out to those that I knew would have information that could help me be a better football player faster. And, you know, a lot of the reading that I did was because I felt like I could have an impact on the culture of the team, on the culture of the football program in general. So a lot of the books that I read were like on mindset, leadership, all these different things to how can I influence everybody around me in a way so that this place gets back on track because I just did not... I did not want it to stay the way that it felt when I got there. So something had to be done. And I, you know what? And I loved that challenge. It was, I look back on that time of my life. It was a really hard time, but gosh, it was so fun to have that challenge. And that's some of the stuff that I miss nowadays. I get some of it here and there with some of my quarterbacks, but just having that thing that you're like working towards that feels like you're on an uphill climb. I love that in life. John, who is the best quarterback you've ever seen on film or in person? Oh, geez. That is a tough one. I mean, well, I mean, it just kind of depends. I, I think, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, some of the ways that those guys play the game, uh, game day lives. Uh, I mean, I've seen them have some bad games. I mean, I was on the Ravens when Peyton Manning threw five picks. So I think that, you know, everybody has their bad day here and there. But I think with things that guys do, you know, I've, I've seen Matt Stafford in some of our training sessions. Him and Jared Goff make some throws that are just, you know, not a lot of guys on this planet can make throws like that. Michael Vick, the way that he could do some things, he may be, I mean, I've heard this from a number of people. Like, Mike Vick may have thrown the ball better than anybody I've seen. He might be the best just thrower of the football. Um, so it's tough. Gosh, this is a hard question. Uh, you know, it's so easy for me to say Brady or Breeze. Shoot, I mean, I've been around Drew a ton. Uh, Drew is a, he's unbelievable a lot of things that he does but you know you're not gonna i don't think you're gonna be wowed if you go watch a drewby's workout like you may be wowed if you see some of the throws that goff and stafford make but when you watch tape on drew and you watch the way that he plays the game he wows you every single sunday with some of the reads the throws the trust that he has in that offense and some of the things that when all of a sudden you know why he's doing what he's doing drew's football iq is just off the charts so that's a tough one for me because I know so many, I just know so many guys and I've been around so many guys. It's hard to say one, but, you know, I've kind of given you a list of a handful of the guys that I've seen personally uh, and they're impressive. Well, you made uh, Jake stay as a huge Vautech fan talking about Michael Vick the way you have. John's a smart guy. So, <laughs> but, but anyway. Well, John, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you real quick. I don't know how much you've seen Tyler Huntley up at Utah, but he's a guy who obviously has feet. He has speed. He has athleticism. But And forgive me for my, losing my voice, but but can, how hard is it for a guy like that? He's a senior now, and it seems as though this this knowledge that you've talked about is coming to him. How difficult is it for a an athletic running quarterback to discipline himself, not to just take off running when things get hot? So I'll share a story. I mean, I'm not claiming that my athletic abilities when I was in college were the same as him, but I'm just going to share a story that Steve Young um, called me my freshman year. So the way I got on the field as a freshman was because of just running around and making plays. And he called me on the phone and said, look, I love the way you're making plays with your legs and your athletic ability, but you, you will need to learn to play the game where that becomes your last choice, not your first choice. So you, you're going to need to work on the things, progression, all these different things within an offense so that you only need to use that when you need to use it. Because if you start using that too much, 
that's when he said, I've seen injuries happen because a guy that knows he can just sometimes out-athleticize others or make plays with his feet goes to that too soon. So I've seen a lot of the Utah games. I have the Pac-12 channels, and I really watch a lot of Pac-12 games, so I watch a lot of Utah games, and I've been impressed. I've seen Tyler Huntley make some really impressive throws. Uh, he had a throw last year where he was like, got out of the tackle and in very, very limited space threw a ball downfield for a touchdown. That was one of the best throws in college football, I thought, last year. And other people might have just said, oh, yeah, good throw. But I know from a quarterback standpoint how difficult that was. So I've seen his ability to make difficult throws. I know how quick twitchy he is as a player. Um, you know, so really it's that it's that element of experience where he knows I only need to use this in these situations because I can play the game and get more done this other way. And a lot of the times that takes, you know, playing games where you may use your athleticism a little too much. And then you're going back on tape saying, man, you know what, instead of me running right there and getting those four yards and trying to avoid a hit and getting crushed, I could just check the ball down right there. Or I could have moved in the pocket, and instead of me moving and becoming a runner, I could have stayed a passer, and now I can keep my eyes up and I can make this throw, all of those things. You know, the one thing I do wonder when I think about Utah football, and I hope it's okay that I'm kind of like answering another question that hasn't been asked yet, but I sometimes wonder with his progression and how many offenses have changed while he's been there, how that affects him. Just because I know one of the hardest things as a quarterback is when you're always changing offenses, you're always having to learn an offense. When you stay in the same offense, you get to build on each year. And then you get to have that football IQ of your offense. It just goes up dramatically, as opposed to always having to learning new names, new concepts, new progressions, new everything. And I sometimes wonder, because Utah has had so much turnover at the offensive coordinator position, how much has that affected growth and development of the quarterbacks there? John, you can uh, come on the show and ask yourself and answer questions anytime you want, my man. Thank you so much for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. Yep, you guys are welcome. Uh, that's John Beck, BYU, of course, great quarterback. And, boy, always insightful, but uh, the really, really good interview today. So I am a lot nicer to, uh, to John now than I was when he was uh, in his early years at BYU. Did you barbecue him pretty good? Oh, no. Maybe. But I I know very few guys who can articulate that position better than he can. Not a surprise that he's really successful as yeah. a, kind of a quarterback guru. And listen, I mean, he rattled off some of the clients that he works with. I mean, there's NFL no, guys coming not to John. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and if you could put uh, Jared Goff on the old resume, as 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 <laughs> honestly as as much as he's improved over his short time in the NFL. I mean, he remember his rookie year, and I get it that he was playing for Jeff Fisher, the the quarterback killer at the time. But I mean, <laughs> he was killer. he was okay at best. And then last year, I mean, holy cow! Whatever happened to Jeff Fisher? I I have no idea. Is he what's he doing these days? I don't know, but he was funny because he somehow swindled a contract extension out and then was fired like a month later. It's got to be. You have great admiration for that. Right. Yeah. So he's off on a private island somewhere counting his money, I'm sure. I apologize for my voice. That happens. You're doing all right. A little bit. It's all good. Hanging in there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he he broke down for us all three of the local quarterbacks. Yeah, he did. And did so in a manner that I think is easy for listeners to understand. Yep. I mean. I uh, reading between the lines. I got the feeling from John that he thinks Tyler Huntley could be pretty good. Yeah, 
I, I thought so, too, and certainly familiar with what Tyler's doing. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll get that up online at 1280thezone.com, but we are live from ARU People at Services. Come by and donate, 9786 South, 500 West, right here in Sandy. Also, their Salt Lake location up by the U, 565 uh, Comus Drive in Research Park. Our good friend Lance joins us once again. And, Lance, we've had a, we've had a great batch of listeners come through, and we need to keep it rolling, man. Yeah, let's keep it going all night. We're just trying to help out the blood supply before the holiday tomorrow. Uh, our hospitals have been busier than they ever have this uh, summer. Normally, we see about 55 to 65 patients every single day. And every so often, we see 75. The other day, we had 80 uh, come in in the same day that needed blood. And so uh, it's just been tremendous because there's just so many people coming into our hospitals. Our state's growing. We have more businesses here. And so everything's just continues to grow and grow when i started here you know we were asking for 50 donors a day and now we're well over 100 a day just trying to keep up so uh please don't sit on the sideline and say well other people are going to go and do it we need you to be that hero to come in and donate today and every life certainly saved is important but a third of what you guys collect goes to primary children so talking about kids here you know that's so important yeah, we're the sole blood provider to Primary Children's Hospital. One out of three donations ends up there to help a newborn baby or a child or a teenager with cancer. And so, yeah, please come in. The blood for the children, especially the small ones, it has to be donated within the last five days. So, And all the blood for all the kids at Primary Children's has to be less than two weeks old. And so there's just a lot of complexities with helping the kids. And the community is great, and that's why we're asking you to come in. We need all blood types, but especially A positive, O positive, and B positive of today it's all it's all uh, it's all terrific lance and by the way real quick when you go to dinner with your friends do you suck the blood right out from under them right there <laughs> they get t- tired of hearing your call for heroism everybody likes to be a hero that's true we just make them feel good because the people <laughs> who come in i mean they're the best and that's why that's why we call people the day after their blood's been used and say hey guess what you saved a life yesterday oh wow just because that's we cool. want to create that partnership because it really does make a difference there are people walking all around us that we have no idea that help that we've helped save their life we have a lot of families that come in and say yeah my daughter my son was in the hospital and when you see it firsthand you realize the impact and so we get a lot of families that come in and donate in honor of their their families or to give back to the community so we're open until seven at either of our donor centers everybody gets a ten dollar megaplex card and a five dollar subway card for saving lives today even from red sox fans just today Yes, today. (laughs) Till 7 (laughs) o'clock. All right, come see us. 9786 South, 500 West here in Sandy. Lance, thank you so much. You're the man. Thank you. All right, well, more of the big show. You'll hear my interview today with Emmanuel Moutier, new member of the Utah Jazz, coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Yogi Roth, join us once again for the Pac-12 Network. We know what's right with the Utes. Why would that be the wrong pick? What should you fans be worried about? Injury, number one. Tyler Huntley hasn't been healthy since he's been the starter. That's the number one thing that they'd be concerned with. The number two would be SC. You know, SC, they're going to put up points on the air raid. So they can get it together, skill-wise, scheme-wise, and then most importantly, can handle the mental side of it. When they're down, they're scary. Their backs are against the wall. You know, they're primed like every team to prove the world wrong. But they've got the ability and the staff and the to do it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
The best coverage of the Utah Jazz in the NBA is right here on The Big Show. Kick it. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 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 Zone. I want to remind you to tune in to the Tour of Utah podcast, 1280thezone.com. Podcast includes how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the Tour of Utah race upcoming. We're live at ARUP Blood Services, 9786 South, 500 West here in Sandy. I want to thank everybody who's come in and donate today. Thank you guys so very much. We've, we've had a really great response, and we want to keep it rolling. So if you're out and about, if you've got an extra half hour or so, come on by and donate. Save some lives. And, uh, boy, you know, Gordon, I just love these remotes. It just makes you feel good. We always feel good meeting our listeners, but it feels good to help save some lives. No doubt about that. No doubt. Uh, Bowler is going to be with us coming up top of the 5 o'clock hour. But, uh, Gordon, let's hear a little bit from the newest jazz man, Emmanuel Moutier. He did kind of the rounds with the the press today, and I had a chance to sit down and have a one-on-one with him. Let's go ahead and give that a listen now. First of all, it's great to meet you. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? Nice to meet you as well. Uh, give us your first impressions of Salt Lake City, the Jazz, the organization. Uh, great organization. I mean, we hear that throughout the league, uh, how they run their things. Uh, coaching staff is great. Management is great. Uh, and I'm not just saying that just because I'm here now, but obviously that's a big part of the reason why it led me to this decision to come here. And I think it's just a great place to be. Well, take me through what went into that decision as, uh, you, you know, that's that's a big decision yeah. to make where you're going to go and continue yeah. your career. What uh, attracted you to, to uh, the Jazz? Um, just one thing I definitely thought about was uh, Coach Coach Snyder, uh, just how he, he's been with developing his players and him and his coaching staff as well. And the main thing, too, is um, it's, it's something that they're pushing for here and they have a big goal, and that's obviously a championship. And the team is, is just right there, in my opinion. Um, take, you know, a couple games back. I think they, they had a great chance. Um, obviously, with Mike coming and a lot of like Bowie coming, uh, Ed coming, that Jeff coming as well, that that made an impact into it as well. I I personally thought that Mike reaching out to me was huge. Um, obviously, you know he's the starting point guard, and me coming over here, uh, I had opportunities to go somewhere and be a starting point guard as well, but. It, I think the the vision here was pretty pretty big, and I wanted to come over here and just learn as much as I could, and learn as much from Mike as I can from uh, Coach as well. Tell me about your interaction with Coach uh, thus far. Your conversations with him have they been good? What is he telling you about what he wants from from you as a role this year? Yeah, they've been good. Uh, we're still talking a lot about that stuff, uh, as well uh, as well as just the team. I think the main thing is just. Being myself, you know, not coming in, trying to change a lot of different things, but learning as much as I can, I think that's the main thing. He's going he's gonna to make sure I learn. He's a great teacher, uh, smart guy, great at X's and O's. He's well-respected around the league, and I'm just trying to soak in anything that he tells me and learn as much as possible. Uh, you talked about um, knowing Michael a little bit, talking to him. What about uh, some of the other guys, Rudy or Donovan? Do you know mm-hmm. them at all or interactions with them? Uh, no, not right now. I don't know. I spoke to him a little bit. I spoke to Donovan on the phone when I signed, but uh, obviously I'm going to get to know those guys as well when I, when I come out here and, you know, full-time and just be around the guys as well. 
as well. Talk about your biggest strengths right now. What uh, What is uh, your game uh, most going to add to the team? Um, I think pretty versatile in different ways. I'm, I'm big for my, you know, my position, but I can also play a different position, be out there with, you know, Mike Donovan or somebody like that, or sometimes even can have three people, three of us out there at once. I can guard bigger people. Um, I think just obviously scoring is a little bit of my strength as well. Uh, getting teammates involved, but just being whatever the coach needs me to do honestly that's that's what I try to get after and just being a great teammate talk about the challenge of being back in the western conference yeah. and especially after this off season where it seems like there're going to be a lot of great teams and specifically a lot of great guards yeah no that's the best part about it i think that's what's so fun uh, the competition level uh especially when i was in the west uh, i missed the west a little bit to be if i'm being honest just cuz over here the style of play is a little different too uh, you play more in a way freely but structured. It's more fun, but more ball movement, and everybody feels involved. Uh, talk a little bit about you. What are what are some of your interests? Uh, talk about family, uh, yeah. whatever kind of comes to mind. Yeah, family's definitely number one in my, my number one thing. Uh, I got two brothers, and obviously my mom is just us four, and obviously my niece as well. But. That, that's my main thing. We spend a lot of time together. And me, what I'm into is I, I love movies. I love watching movies. So that's something that I do for fun. What, uh, give me a movie. What's on top of the list right now? Coming to America is my favorite movie for sure. You have great taste. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. That movie's amazing. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite movie for sure. Well, and coming to America, I mean, talk about your, your mom moved your family here and you were five, I was, six? Yeah. I moved here when I was five. My mom moved a year and a half earlier and I, we followed when I was, uh, I was five years old. So, uh, obviously I'm from Africa. I was born in Africa. First language is French. Uh, obviously second language is English. English, but so hopefully I get to speak French with Rudy a little bit. I was gonna say you guys yeah. are gonna have your own thing going yeah, on, right? So you know, I think that should be fun. But at the same time, um, I, I love doing. I'm open to trying a lot of different stuff. Uh, so this is more a, a question for my personal curiosity. Yeah. But we're seeing this uh, this trend of, of players not going to college and going overseas right. and, and playing professionally. And the, the, the G League is doing some things mm-hmm. where they're expanding some some pay and that sort of thing. What was that experience like for you? And would you recommend that to to somebody else who was making a similar decision? Yeah, I get this question often. Uh, I think it depends on the individual uh, if they feel like they're they're mature enough to go over there because you're playing with professionals, you're playing with grown men that's trying to feed their families as well. Um, I think it depends on the individual. If you feel like it's the best thing for you and your family, then why not? But at the same time, I'm never going to tell somebody not to go to college and, you know, get your degree. And I'm going to eventually go back and get my education. That's just something I I have to do. I promised my mom that too. Um, But I think it's... It's a good, it's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all, honestly. If I could do it again, I'll, tr- I'll make the same decision. Last thing before I let you go, uh, a lot of fans out there, a lot of listeners to our show, they can see what the Jazz did and look at this roster and see the new additions, including yourself, obviously, and and are really excited. I'm yeah. really excited for this upcoming year. Do players feel the same way? Man, we're we're excited. I, I know I talk to Mike about it often, uh, and I think this year can be a very very special year. Uh, you know, I willing everybody stays healthy uh i think it'll be a very fun year to watch a very fun year to play and for our fans it'll be a fun year to to watch us play because you got 
you got different type of players. You know, Mike, obviously, everybody already knows Donovan, how he is, uh, Rudy, uh, Joe, Bogey. Like, all of us got our own type of game, but can mesh with the whole team, so it should be fun. Well, I can't thank you enough. It's a pleasure to meet you, you, and welcome to Salt Lake City. Thank you very much. Yeah. Manuel Moutier, uh, newest member of the Utah Jazz, did the rounds today, and uh, it was fun having a conversation with him, Gordon. Uh, learned a couple things. One, Mike Conley recruited him to come to the Jazz. How about yeah, that? Yeah, and he was really impressed with Quinn Snyder. Yep. Uh, I was going to say that's the other thing that uh, that brought him here. And he said a little bit later on in his press conference, he's and we've, we've often wondered about this, Gordon, but he's seen other players come here and get better. Yeah. And that's something that was attractive to him as well, as he wants to come here and get better. And he seems to have... The right attitude. It, it really is this, the thing that we've been talking about. And it's, it's a fact. These things are working. The Jazz have a reputation of developing players. You have a guy like Moutier out there who hasn't really become thus far what people, some people thought he might be. Some people weren't that high on him. But uh, he, he sees an opportunity like this. says, man, I can go there and get better. This is going to pay off for me. In the long run. And if he finds a home here, he finds a home here. But we'll see where it goes from from there. But Mike Conley shows you the power that uh, some of these players have. And I think his versatility is is going to be something they're going to use. I do think we're going to see him play a number of different positions. Just kind of standing next to him, Gordon, today. How tall? Uh, he's he's tall. I mean, he's taller than Six I expected five? him to be. Probably about that, about that but long. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that more modern NBA build where you've got those big wingspans and he's going to be able to, to guard some forwards in the league. So uh, I think he's, his versatility is going to help him uh, get minutes on this jazz roster. I knew you guys were going to bond the second I heard him say that one of his favorite movies was coming to America. What an amazing movie. I, I, he, he obviously is a sharp dude. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cause he agrees with you. That is one of the, the great, uh, examples of American cinema. Well, when you think of him and his experience, and you pointed this out in the interview, that he was coming from from Africa and uh, that uh, he could relate to that. Probably experience. identified with yeah, it a, a little, little bit. bit anyway. Yeah, uh, and hilarious, hilarious movie. And basketball, uh, well, actually, how about this? And I didn't even think about it until just this second, but Rudy Gobert's old man in Coming to America. That's true. It is in true. In fact, it was that scene when they're at Madison Square Garden watching uh, St. John's play. Uh-huh. One of the, the center, the tall guys playing in the movie, playing uh, on, the, on the floor, was Rudy Gobert's dad. How'd you find that out? Kyle, I can't even remember. It might have been one of the, yeah, it was an article or something. Was it? But Adrian, you remember what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I remember us talking about it. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Who said, yeah. Because Tony and I back on like the Jake for and Tony half show. a second, he's in that movie. Like he yeah, like, dunks yeah, I mean, the ball or something. It's really, <laughs> really brief. But Rudy Gobert's dad is in that movie. I should have told him that. I can't believe I'm just remembering this now. You Where's my up, brain? You did bring up that they would be able to share a common tongue. You know, have their own little thing going where yeah. you know they're they're Speaking communicating a French. Yeah, right. Okay. 
But anyway, I, I came away impressed. I, I really did. He, he seems like he's got his mind uh, in the right spot. He's got a kind of one of those fun personalities. And uh, I think it, it really translated in that interview. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. He's happy to be here. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's pretty important, I'd say, for someone in his position. All right, we'll have a quick Not Sports Report coming up next. Bowler in the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Live from ARUP Blood Services. Come on by. Donate. Save a life. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Dennis Dodd joining us. Look at Utah. I anticipate they'll be picked to finish top of the South Division. What are your thoughts on what Utah can do and your expectation for the Utes this year? I think they will be picked first. I have picked them first. Um, they've got their best player back. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. I think defensive line. So that's a good place to start. And Kyle is the best coach out there that doesn't get you know the publicity of the other. If USC is smart, if they do anything with Clay Helton, they do themselves well to take a giant swing at Kyle. I'm not even saying he'd come, but you know, you've got to try to get the absolute best guy out there. I think what Kyle's done there is remarkable. I think he's transitioned to school from Mountain West to Pac-12 and become more than uh, competitive. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, hanging out live at ARUP Blood Services. Come by, donate, save a life. Uh, 9786 South, 500 West, right here in Sandy. They also have the Salt Lake location up by the U565 Comus Drive, uh, right there in Research Park. Uh, shout out to Michael, who came down here and donated some blood, chatting with us there in the break, and uh, has a son that's going to play a little football down at American Fork. Yeah. So shout out to the cavemen down there, sure. putting in that good work. Mm-hmm. All right, time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Tom Gordo, where are we going today? Well, we're, uh, we're, let me say it this way. You wish you were Gary George today. Gary George, okay. Gary was an intern, a uh, student at Lamar University, and he worked for NASA down in Houston. And it just so happened that uh, he, he found himself at a government surplus auction in 1976. Okay. Uh, At that auction were being sold a bunch of videos. There were like, uh, oh, there were like a thousand reels in boxes. Okay. And he offered up like $217.77 for those videos. A couple hundred bucks, all right. And it just so happened that three of them contained the first, the most authentic, the most distinctive, the most, the clearest videos of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepping onto the moon. Wow. So just kind of a find? Just kind of a find. However, I mean, unless you're a conspiracy guy and you think that maybe this was a handoff to this guy and he knew what was in there. Because in like 2008, he offloaded a bunch of the uh, items, but he kept the three. 
Well, when the fifth, 50th anniversary of the uh, Apollo 11 moon landing happened this on past Saturday, yeah. uh, it just so happened that these videos were in high demand. I'm sure. So those videos that he bought for $217, he sold for $1.8 million. Uh, that's a pretty good. Uh, uh, that's a pretty good bang for the buck, there, Gordo. Not bad. Yeah, he's set now for uh, life. He was an intern, and now he's a wealthy man. And I don't know the, the specifics. I don't know if one of his friends down there in, in the offices said, "Hey, I'm handing these off to you. So you hold on to these or what?" But uh, let's just say good fortune. So you're, you're really suspicious of this, dude. I huh? don't know. Well, well, how do I because, know? Uh, can I mean, you imagine, have you ever found something that was, like, super valuable? What was that show? What's that show on public TV? That uh, Antique Road Show? I don't know. I've never seen it. You've never seen that? I don't watch a whole lot of public television. No, people find this uh, the stuff in their garage, you know, that grandma had or whatever, and then they bring it in, and they, and they have these evaluators come in, and they say, oh, yeah, that's a nice lamp. It's worth uh, $500,000. So kind of like Pawn Stars. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm never, uh, what's that? Is that like the one that was on uh, History Channel? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It's a little different than that, but... Uh, Anyway, he found uh, these videos, and he got paid big time for them. So good for him. Uh, Gary George. Well, if NASA knew what they were, I don't think they'd sell them. This had to be an accident, right? I beats, Well, are you telling me that the government never gets things mixed up? And, never. Uh, loses stuff? Well, that's what I'm implying is that that's exactly what happened. You know, it reminds me of that, you know, spoiler alert here. But you remember in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when they have the Ark packaged up in that box uh-huh. and then they put it into that huge warehouse where nobody's ever going to find Just anything? Just to disappear. Hmm. So it, ha- it happens. So it does happen. Well, good, good, for, good for I hope one day you find something in your garage, Jake, that you can, you can sell – 20 years from now for $1.8 million. Oh, that's awful nice of you there, Gordon. Thanks. I we doubt can find something happen, like that in your garage now, Gordon. <laughs> that's probably true. So why don't we just go to your place? Not true. All right, we're live at ARUP Blood Services. Come by and see us, 9786 South, 500 West here in Sandy. They also have the location up uh, by the U, 565 Comus Drive in Research Park. Uh, both locations open until 7 o'clock, and Lance joins us once again. And we've got to keep this momentum rolling, Lance. Yeah, absolutely. If you've never heard of ARUP or what we do, we're the sole blood provider to Primary Children's Hospital, Huntsman Cancer Hospital, University Hospital, and Shriners Hospital for Children. There's over 50 hospitals here in the state but those four use 25% of the blood. So we need over 100 donors every single day, even on the weekends and holidays, to help us out. And our hospitals have been extra busy. So we need all blood types right now, but especially O positive, A positive, and B positive. Well, and you told us earlier on the show, I mean, uh, A positive and O positive are, are very common and always in, in high demand. But there's one particular patient, and all of a sudden B positive is, is we, we really need those folks. Yeah, it, and that's the healthcare industry is some days you think everything's great, and then the next day just you never know who's walking in the door coming in an ambulance or in life flight and so or air med and then you've got to just make up for it and so yeah we were sitting pretty this morning for b positive never even thought about it all day long and then this afternoon it's like hey we need b positive because of the patients that came in and so 
Please don't sit on the sideline and think, ah, well, it's no big deal. I'll wait till there's a big emergency. This is an emergency for the 55 to 65 people every single day in our hospital. So our centers are open until 7 o'clock tonight. You can come to our Sandy Center or our Salt Lake Center, and you'll get a $10 Megaplex gift card and a $5 Subway card for helping save lives before the holiday. Gordon didn't like that when I said we were bribing people to come down and do it. So it, it, it sounds a little aggressive. Incentivizing is that a better word? And you know, an incentive to come down and donate. I don't care why you show up as long as you show up. So uh, we just need the help. And, you know, some people are like, I don't need that card. And others are grateful for it. We just we feel like it's a partnership between us and the yeah. community because those folks just need your help. And so we'll gladly give you a movie ticket and some subway if you can help us save lives. All right. Come down and do it. 9786 South 500 West right here in Sandy. Lance, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Bowler is going to join us coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.